Spark Studio presents People, People, People podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome to the beginning. This is the very start of People, People, People podcast, um, episode one, and I can't believe it. Episode one of 100. Uh, I had the amazing opportunity to interview my friend and colleague Jack, uh, and we sat down and and discussed life, and it was beautiful. And here's the conversation. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. You're <laughs> sitting on my yellow couch right now, which is fantastic. Um, I have a couple of random things to bring up, which I thought would be funny at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I think we have a lot of things in common. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to list off a couple of things and you can confirm or deny these facts. Okay. Okay. We both like the wilderness. We both are tall. Mm -hmm. Two for two. (laughs) We work together. And we both really like the Lex Friedman podcast. Yes. Okay, great. All four are accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad to start off with that. Um, Stoked to have you here. This is amazing. And it's going to be really cool to like, yeah, just hear your story and hear who you are. So we'll just uh, jump into the questions. Awesome. First question I have for you is, who are you? Well, uh, my name is Jack Sheffield, (laughs) uh, son of Tom and Ruth Sheffield, brother of Brandon. Um, I I grew up in Dana Point, California, which is in like Southern Orange County. Nice. Um, And growing up, I... Just loved like playing sports. I was a huge basketball player. You know, he said I was tall. So, I've, you know, <laughs> I've always been kind of on the taller end of, uh, I was like always one of the taller kids in class. And so mm-hmm. um, I just became like a huge basketball fanatic. Played it growing up, you know, every single weekend. I was <laughs> driving up uh, from Orange County up to LA to play in all the tournaments and practice with, you know, different club teams, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like both of us lived like parallel lives because I did the same thing with volleyball. It was oh, like, yeah. The like AAU club <laughs> sports life. is a, It's a definite person. It's a definite person. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So basketball is just a huge part of my childhood growing up, you know, playing every single day, practice, training, going to tournaments. Um, and then I went to Dana Hills High School mm-hmm. and, you know. Uh, I guess before before I get to high school, I can talk more about more about my family. Yeah. Um, I I had an, have an awesome family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, parents have been incredible role models. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've supported me in everything I've done. They've pushed me really hard, mm-hmm. um, and they have each in their uh, own individual ways have um, really helped shape. Uh, how I live my life and what mm-hmm. I find important and what um, what I find meaning, where I find meaning. Um, and my brother, too. My brother has uh, always been my role model. Mm-hmm. Um, I've looked up to him. He's, he's four, year, four and a half years older than me. And 
pretty much my entire life, I've wanted to just do whatever he's doing and do it exactly <laughs> like he does it. I love it. Um, yeah, and it's been great. He he lives in LA too, so I've um, it's been great getting to hang out with him a lot more. Yeah, that's amazing. What's one memory that you can think about, like either with your parents or your brother, that was like really defining moment of like I know that my like family has me, and or I also know that I'm like really cared and like loved by them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess first thing that comes to mind is um, my freshman year of college. Um, I was at University of San Diego mm-hmm. um, and I was a walk on on the basketball team. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a really not fun experience being a walk on. Like I was just kind of forgot about. I was basically a glorified practice player. <laughs> um, you go practice player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, gets the gets towards the end of the season and it. Uh, like I find out that the, the coach is being fired and they're bringing in an all new staff and I have to decide like, oh, do I really want to, do I really want to keep playing basketball or do I want to, you know, be a college student and, mm-hmm. you know, have fun and focus on school and like, but like I said, like basketball has been such a huge part of me. It was like a really like identify or identity rattling decision yeah. um, to make. And so I had these like really in-depth conversations with everyone in my family, like, you know, I, I'm thinking about quitting basketball. Like, what do you, what do you think? And they all were like, yeah, go like quit basketball. Like, <laughs> we know you love it. It'll always be there, but you know, you're not going pro yeah. you're in, you know, you're living in San Diego in one of the greatest cities in the world. Um, you're, you know, you're not supposed to be spending nine hours a day in the gym mm. and just them telling me to quit something w- w- was like the most like powerful, like just motivating, exciting thing. Cause I had never, I never really you know, quit anything. I don't really consider it quitting, but yeah, yeah. Uh, just like the encouragement of this like transition from one phase of life to the other, especially at such a crazy, like when you're a freshman in college, like everything's new. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, just their support and their like insight and willingness to, to let me try new things. I think that's really cool. Cause like, once again, going back to feeling like we have so much in common, like uh, my upbringing seems very similar to how Mm -hmm. you were brought up. And it's really cool because I also was pushed like really hard to like, my parents were always saying like, Sarah, you can do anything. Like we believe in you keep on going all of these things. If it came to sports or school and like I also struggled uh, academically because I had some reading disabilities and stuff. And so that was a really interesting thing. But I remember also like the first time when my mom had said like, hey, Sarah, like maybe you're not supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really rad when like people like your family or people that are really close to you truly know like your character and who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, because then they can make like really, um, like wise decisions or give you some like wisdom where maybe like when you're in the midst of the tornado, like you can't see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Cause you just keep on thinking like, oh crap. Like I just have to keep on going. Right. Yeah. I would have just kept playing bat, like trying to make the team or, you know, trying yeah. to transfer to another school, but um, and who knows, maybe I'd still be trying to play basketball today, but, um, them just like letting me know that there's other things out there that I can, I can learn to love and get good at. Um, I just don't think like, I don't know if I would have come to that realization yeah. 
in any sort of like reasonably uh, efficient amount of time. Yeah, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of freedom in that. Mm -hmm. Because I think too, like for me, like I will not stop at something until, well, I've learned a little bit better now in the 33 years that I've been on this earth. But Mm -hmm. like for a really long time, like I wouldn't stop pursuing something until someone said like, you need to stop. Mm -hmm. And so I think that weirdly goes back to like the competitiveness that's like built in us is like as a competitor, you just keep on going until you like literally break down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think I still, I still kind of have that in me, but I at least recognize that I have it. So I can can be like, all right, dude, like relax. You don't have to kill yourself doing this. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that makes sense. So that's cool. The second question that I have for you is. What do you believe in? Mm-hmm. It's a very open-ended question. Yeah. And I'm really interested to hear. I've been thinking about how to answer this question ever since you, you know, you, you told me about your podcast. Yeah. And I didn't really, because uh, there's an infinite way, <laughs> infinite number of ways you can, you can answer this. Makes me stoked. <laughs> um, but I think like how the best way I can sum up how, like everything that I believe in uh is like what I've termed like radical self-honesty. Okay. Um, and what that means to me is um, continuously and always asking myself, how am I lying to myself or deceiving myself? What am I denying? What am I hiding from myself? Mm-hmm. Whether it's thoughts, feelings, emotions, desires, like, always like auditing, trying to figure out like, okay, how can I be more true to myself? Uh, and that I feel like just by asking myself that question and like continuously, uh, keeping that at the front of my mind just really helps me have a positive relationship just with like whatever I'm experiencing at any Mm -hmm. moment. So, um, and I like, I like, I try, I go really hard with it. Like, even when like things are going really well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I try to say like, okay, am I like beginning to like, am I being too prideful? Am I being mm-hmm. too cocky? Am mm-hmm. I like, what am I, what, what am I, what could I possibly like be lying to myself about? And I think uh, that just really helps put things, put things yeah. in perspective. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really good. Like self-awareness mm-hmm. because I don't know. I think, these days we as people like want a quick fix or Mm -hmm. we want to put like a band-aid on something Mm -hmm. and we want to like whatever's like not good in our lives we'd rather like shove under the rug and Mm -hmm. not like deal with and and I think you know thankfully um I think with like mental health stuff these days like people are being a lot more like honest about like what they're going through but Mm -hmm as humans, like we are beyond complex. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking this morning, I was journaling this morning and I was like, we are like literally as humans, like constantly changing, changing like moment by moment. Mm-hmm. And like, and we're changing moment by moment. And we're living in these like ridiculously fast paced lives where we can't even slow down to like even comprehend like the thoughts that are entering our head. Mm-hmm. So I think like this idea of like radi- radical, like honesty is 
quite amazing because you're almost like doing a um like a vetting mm-hmm. of your like mind 100%. and your like spirit of like where am i it's like an audit mm-hmm. like where am i what am i doing and why am i doing it yeah and i think that honestly takes a lot of humility because it's if you're in a really good time or a really bad time, let's just take the two like radical moments in life, um, both at opposite ends, like when you're depressed or you're in a state that's not great, like you don't want to automatically admit like, oh, I'm in a depressed state. And then when you're in a super happy state, you don't want to admit like, oh, I'm getting pretty cocky right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for like, for me, it's just like being able to ask myself or just like analyze what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it. It's just like, it becomes super interesting Yeah. rather than like, like if I'm really bummed out or anxious or stressed about something um, and I take time to like really like dive deep and like get super honest with myself, mm-hmm. uh, you like learn a lot and it's like, it's really interesting and you can see, Oh, like I've been noticing that I like, I get really anxious because like when X, Y, Z happens and like, huh, I wonder why that is. And then you can ask that, you know, okay, you know, what, what is like the common thread that, you know, is causing me to feel a certain way. Totally. Um, And it's just like a really interesting learning experience. And uh, I think just looking at life and experience through that lens takes a whole lot of pressure off of you. Yes. Yeah, because, like, at the end of the day, like, once again, like, we're super complex. Yeah. So do you do you do that, like, process just, like, mentally? Do you write things down? Like, how do you? Uh, pr- I'd say primarily it's mentally. So okay. I uh, have a fairly uh, regimented, like, mindfulness practice. Great. Um, so I try and spend... At least 20 minutes uh, at a time, at least four days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and where I, you know, sit and go through like my meditation mm-hmm. um, exercises. And that's like a really formal way of like going through it. Yeah. And I've been doing that for probably like six years now. That's and fantastic. Just with like doing it so often that it, it, it has started to like, make its way into into just like regular everyday life. So like, even if I'm just like driving or walking around and um, it's like turned, it's turned just like any like really salient emotions or experiences into like triggers of like, Oh, like I'm feeling this, like feeling this way. Like, huh, that's interesting. Why am I feeling that? Like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd say like, uh, having like a meditation practice is really like the most powerful way that this is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally agree with you. It's, mm. it's interesting. Cause I, when I got to college, I, I've always been like a absolutely horrible writer and I kind of explained a little bit about my like reading disabilities, but mm. reading and writing disabilities. But anyways, a big like practice that a lot of my friends were doing was like journaling. And I was mm. like, I want nothing to do with that. Like, 
don't get me in a room by myself, like journaling. I am a hundred percent extrovert and I will never be caught in a room by myself. (laughs) Um, but I ended up starting to like, I kind of forced myself like, okay, Sarah, like sit down and like start journaling. And so I did that like, gosh, over 13 plus years ago. And I did it a lot, a lot in college. And then when you become an adult and you start working, it's harder to like sit down and do that. Mm. But of recent, I got back um, to doing that. And oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. like it is fantastic. And for me personally, like all my journaling is to God and Jesus. And it's just so cool because at the end of the day for me, like I have so many thoughts and feelings and emotions that are like Mm -hmm. running through my head all the time that to spend, like you said, 20 minutes, whatever, longer in the morning to just write down everything that I'm feeling and thinking is like just an emotional like release. Mm -hmm. And it's, it makes you so much more like level headed Mm -hmm. so that when you do go to work or go to school or wherever you're going, I think you have just a way better, like balanced perspective Mm -hmm. on, you know, if you go to work or school and you face a hard situation, I think I become a lot more rational when I've like cleared my head Mm -hmm. instead of going into, you know, a situation like highly anxious because Mm -hmm. I haven't like spent time to like clear my Mm headspace. And like on top of that is when you like go through these practices, mm-hmm. um, it like becomes really clear that like that everyone else, like you said earlier, that you know people are really complex processes. Yeah, like yeah. Everyone's experience is changing moment to moment. Like, like I can barely keep track of the infinity things. I'm thinking <laughs> and, feeling, like, and so you can you'll take that and go, oh, the people that I'm talking to and interacting with are also like the same thing. Like these really complicated like. Yeah. crazy just like infinite processes and so it just like helps you relate to people better yes um you don't take things so personally when someone says something you disagree with or yes. obviously like we're not perfect like, yeah, 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 yeah no not at all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting because i think as we get older we recognize that most of the time when you know maybe someone might a person that we're interacting with might be in a bad mood It doesn't even have to do with us. Mm -hmm. It's something like external that they're dealing with at home or that they got on the 405 and someone hit that, you know, like crazy stuff that like we're so out of control of. And yeah, I would say like 99.99% of times that someone's being mean to you, it's not because of something. (laughs) Sometimes it is, but generally, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's funny because as humans, we're so like self-centered. So Mm -hmm. We think like, oh, this person's mad at exactly. us. And it's like, no, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that but, was, yeah, go ahead. But I, was, I don't want to say too, yeah. um, you know, going with your, your journaling, I used to, I don't do it as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of do a, like a, a different version of this, but I used yeah. to have, I called it my victory board. Yes. Uh, and it was a whiteboard. I still have a whiteboard in my room. Okay. Um, but I used to have a whiteboard that was just dedicated to the victory board. And what I would do every single day on the whiteboard, I would write down every single victory that I had. From Hell the day. yeah. Whether it was like, I made my bed. Yes. Anywhere from I made my bed to I just landed a dream job. I um, love that. And it was just like, especially when I like felt that I was like having bad days or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It was just like 
such a powerful way to be like, okay, like it's not that bad. It's actually really good. Um, and so I've like, try, I still keep a whiteboard. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more for like to-do lists and things like that. <laughs> but like just being able to like check off uh, things that I've done from the day is also super helpful. But the victory board, if anyone listening, yes, <laughs> it's very powerful. Dude, so, I want to start a victory yeah, board. It was, so the left side of the board was victories from the day. Uh-huh. And then the right side of the board was listed out like future potential victories, like things to look forward to. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And it's, it's interesting because like as humans, we just we're creatures of habit. So Mm. if you really think about your lives, we kind of do the same things over and over and over again. We, Mm. we sleep, we eat, we go somewhere to work or school or whatever it is. And then we sleep again and we eat again. It's Mm. like the same process. And so to be able to have those, like it becomes very mundane. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to point out those like, Hey, this was a victory or this is something to look forward to. I think it's fantastic because weirdly enough, our I think our human minds, and I don't know the science behind this, but from my own mental health journey, I think our brains tend to lean towards negative things. Mm-hmm. So there might be like three negative things in your life, but they seem absolutely gigantic and mm-hmm. you're missing out on like the hundreds of like victories that you're actually having like yeah. breathing like the yeah. fact that we're freaking breathing is like a miracle yeah <laughs> so it's, it's amazing yeah so it's like you know i there will be times where i'm like driving in my car and i'm like i'm thankful that i'm breathing i'm thankful that i can see i'm thankful that i have a car to drive to my job i'm thankful that i even have a job and that i can feed myself like and i don't think because we're humans and we live such busy lives we forget about the very simple like miracles mm-hmm. of breathing and seeing and being able to walk. Mm-hmm. So I think that victory board is fantastic because it really shifts the focus on like, Oh, life's hard and all these things are happening. And it's like, no, like there's actually some really radical things that are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, we're cave people <laughs> that somehow by some miracle figured out how to build buildings and get air conditioning (laughs) and drive cars but we're cave people all we need is to just not be eaten by bears yes and that's a hell of a day we're we're all just trying to survive that's what i'm always saying yeah exactly and for the people out there that don't really know who we are me and jack do work together and we do work at an architecture firm so that's why he probably bought, brought up buildings. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. So the last question is, what are you currently doing? Mm-hmm. So I'm currently, I'm trying to do a lot of things, but <laughs> the main focus right now is I am finishing up getting my master's degree in architecture mm-hmm. uh, at SciArc, which is Southern California Institute of Architecture. Drive by there all the time to get my coffee in downtown. Perfect. Yep. Um, I wave to you sometimes, even though uh, you might not be there. I appreciate it. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm working on that. I uh, I graduate in about five months um, and will be entering my long career as an architect soon. (laughs) Um, And as Sarah said, I, I, I work with her currently. Um, I'm the intern, um, <laughs> the best intern <laughs> Sarah's teaching, teaching me all sorts of amazing things. But yeah. So 
working on getting finishing up school. Um, I have my thesis uh, coming up, which will conclude Ooh. graduation, and so well, um, currently in like the research phase. Yeah, tell of my us thesis. a little bit about that. Um, so, as I've stated earlier, I'm very fascinated and interested in like mindfulness and meditation, and I'm also very interested and passionate about architecture. And so like the vision is to uh, figure out a way to combine the two. Great. Um, And where I'm at right now with my thesis, still very much in progress and in development, but I'm calling my thesis, uh, I'm I'm designing an observatory. Okay. But this is not an observatory for looking out at the cosmos. Not the Griffith. Not the Griffith. Okay. Okay. Uh, for the Los Angelinis. Right. However you call those people. <laughs> Angelinos? <laughs> yeah, Angelinos. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's not not an observatory for looking out at the cosmos and the stars, but it's an observatory for looking inwards at consciousness and experience and at the self. And to do that, kind of the initial thought was like, I was going to make a guided meditation through different like architectural encounters. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, like, architecture orchestrates experience. Okay. And meditation is the practice of paying very close attention uh, to experience and, like, rigorously investigating experience. I like that. As it arises in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, traditionally, it's when you're, like, sitting on a cushion uh, you know, the lights are low and you got candles on, you get really relaxed. <laughs> There's a vibe. There's a vibe and <laughs> you, you know, you pay attention to the breath or you pay attention to the sounds in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just like notice how they appear in your experience. And when you get distracted by thoughts, you just notice the thoughts and you bring yourself back to whatever it is you're focusing on. Yeah. So the idea with uh, a guided meditation through like architecture, because architecture has such a powerful uh, ability to literally change how we feel and yeah and draw emotions out it's yes emotion and there's different colors and ambiance and you know love this stuff geek out about it really tight spaces (laughs) and really vast open spaces frank lloyd wright exactly yeah (laughs) uh so there's just like a very vast menu of uh experiences that architecture can provide for people and so i'm working on scripting guided meditations that uh focus on kind of the phenomenological feelings that architecture cause in people. Okay. Um, so are these people like, I have so many questions now. Mm-hmm. So are these people, are they going to like be virtually walking through these pieces of the, this architecture? Is this a building that this happens in? Or do these people go to the pieces mm-hmm. of architecture and experience this? I think in an ideal world, eventually, it could kind of be all of those things. Okay. For my project currently, I'm thinking it's going to be... I'll, I'll design probably like a series of spaces, almost in like a maze... Um, as like a, maybe like an addition to the Griffith observatory or something like that. Um, but I think the, what interests me about the project, Mm -hmm. um, I know the professors at SciArc want (laughs) to, you know, want it to be this like very concrete, like design building, but like 
what I feel like I'm going to get out of it is like bringing a mindfulness practice into how we exist in buildings. Love it. So if you can like, if you like can pay attention to how you feel when you walk through a door and you can feel the Mm -hmm. temperature change from hot to cold and use that as like a trigger to make you more mindful in the present moment. Yes. Like that to me is like a super powerful and, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's just like a new way to think about architecture and a new way to think about meditation. Yes. Um, Cause meditation only works if you can bring what you do out with you into the rest of the world. Yeah. So it's not like isolated in that mm-hmm. room with candles and the cushion. Cause exactly. that's not real life. Mm-hmm. It's a part of real life, but mm-hmm. you're not like going around on that. Yeah. But something that's really, really, so this, yeah, that's fascinating. So it's interesting because I was just every year I um, am like a thesis mentor to mm. uh, a design student at Cal State Long Beach, which is where I graduated from and got my degree in interior design. And one of the things that I always tell the students there and they're doing like they're doing interior architecture. So everything is focused on the in the interior space, mm-hmm. unlike When you guys do stuff, a lot of it is about the exterior Mm -hmm. and how the building looks. Obviously, the interior, too. Anyways, one of the things that the way that I personally design and I think is a a very, like, human-centric way of designing is I tell the students, think about if you were the person to walk in this space. Like, what would your needs be? What would you need? Like... Do you need a person that's like at reception saying, hey, come over here? Like, how do you cue a day in a life in this building for, say, you or your grandmother or your friend? Like, what makes them the most? I mean, it depends on the space that you're designing. But like, for example, if it's like an elderly home, like there's a bunch of factors Mm -hmm. of what people that are elderly need. And so I think one of the most simplest ways to do this is by putting, like, if you're not elderly, like putting your grandmother there and going, what someone that you really know well, like what would they need as they enter in this space? Mm -hmm. And what would be the concerns as they navigate through the building? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of People like when I tell people that I'm an interior designer, the first thing out of their mu- their mouth is "ooh," <laughs> because people think I just pick out pretty pillows and colors, <laughs> which that is a part, but it's not the whole part. the The thing that absolutely fascinates me and connects back to what you're doing is the human experience, mm. and people spend seventy five percent of their of every day of their lives indoors Mm -hmm. or not more. And so I give people this example all the time, like it, and it's a pretty rough example, but it's like, if I, if there was a small room that was painted all black with no windows and someone went in there, they would soon become depressed. Mm -hmm. And so the built environment has a huge impact Mm -hmm. on everyone. And most people don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is like really fantastic because I think it's from what I'm understanding is it's really bringing that value of like 
what is truly the human experience mm. as they're, you know, walking through these spaces and experiences, experiencing this architecture because architecture can make you feel a thousand things. Like mm. I remember going to um, the Holocaust Museum or is the Jewish History Museum in Berlin. And that thing is like, fantastic and there's one room where like you're sitting in there there's windows that are probably like two feet by two feet that are legitimately like 30 feet in the air and then there's a ladder that like stops like 20 feet short of that window Mm -hmm. and it you feel this like pure hopelessness Mm -hmm. it's like there's no way that you're getting out of this Mm -hmm. And, like, the architect was trying to evoke the emotion of what the Jewish people were feeling in Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like, that's – it's just mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what I want to do is, like, take that room for for instance. Yeah. That, like, hopelessness or, like, anxiety that you feel from that room. Like, what I want to do is, like, design – prompts or like a guided meditation to you know have you like interrogate those feelings that like what shape is the anxiety where in my body do i feel it yeah where am i in relationship to this feeling of anxiety yeah um and that i like it honestly connects back to what i was saying earlier about this like radical like self-honesty yeah being like okay what am I feeling? Mm-hmm. Where am I feeling it? How is it manifesting in my present moment experience? Mm-hmm. Um, how is it different now than it was two minutes ago? Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I guess I was like turning like really powerful architectural experience into a practice of radical self-honesty or of yeah. just like mindfulness and contemplation. And like, so yeah, like it's just architecture can is like really good at making people feel different than just when they're standing doing nothing. Totally. And I think that's like a incredible opportunity to kind of like show people uh, what their life is actually like right now in the present moment as it happens. Yes. And that's Could, like, yeah, sorry, keep on going. And I was just like, like, that's like, that's what to me, what like the most powerful part of meditation is like, understanding like what your experience is as it's happening and realizing that it's just experience. It's not, it's not who you are all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, like if you get really sad or if you get really anxious Mm -hmm. and then two days later, you're not anymore. Yeah. You don't say that like part of you died or like, no. like there's less Jack yeah. around or this isn't like part of Sarah is gone. It's just, you feel different. Yes. Um, and so, uh, that just like that understanding of realizing that whatever it is you're feeling right now, uh, is going to feel different in mm-hmm. a couple minutes or a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's okay because you're something far deeper than whatever it is you're, you're, experiencing at any given moment yeah heck yeah and it's i think that just like circles back to the whole like Mm self-awareness because the more that we're like aware that our feelings like don't define us is freedom Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. because for the amount of feelings and thoughts that enter our body every single day, like is insane. Mm -hmm. The fact that we can be having a conversation and then be having an, another thought in our mind while having a conversation is mm-hmm. weird to me. Yeah. And the fact that there's like 400 things in this room right now that I, <laughs> like, I could be looking at, but <laughs> am not like, and I can make sense of what we're talking about. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it, it's, I don't know. I just, I absolutely love this because... I've for sure struggled with my own like insane like mental health and at some point I'll like go into that but what for the short of the story is like for the longest time like I thought that I always had to be epic mm-hmm. and it was always like you got to be like you're known as the hype girl you got you're known as like loud and funny and like always energetic and you have to be 110 all the time and that's not life mm-hmm. like life is a roller coaster and but what i've learned through many years of counseling is that the peaks and the valleys don't have to be so severe And I think that comes like with what you're saying is that this radical like honesty of like, you know, questioning, like for me, it's like, okay, this thought enters your head. And it's like, for some reason, when a thought enters your head, you're just like, yep, it's true. Mm -hmm. Or a feeling or whatever it is. And it's like to stop and to say like, wait a minute, like, is that truth? Or like you were saying, like, Sure, I'm feeling sad right now, but like that doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I've just seen so much freedom in not being held captive by these rogue thoughts and or intrusive thoughts and also these fleeting emotions mm-hmm. because emotions are here and there mm-hmm. all day, every day. Yeah. And they're inevitable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, like, it's cool when we start to get a grasp on, like, hey, like, we're complicated, life's complicated, but, like, by slowing down and, and you know, bringing meditation in and, I don't know, for me, like, going on long walks, like, feels so good with mm-hmm. no music, nothing. It's just, like, okay, just flush everything out. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool to hear just about your thesis and how you want to bring like architecture and like meditation and emotions and like truly like Mm self-awareness because like you're saying I think a lot of us are just unaware of the like where our anxiousness and feelings are coming from or Mm -hmm. what starts them Mm -hmm. absolutely they just come and then we're just a mess Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah um And I think, too, like, it's not just the, like, crazy anxiety or stress or Mm -hmm. sadness or jealousy, things like Mm -hmm. that. Like, it's, it's like, the more, like, nuanced emotions that you feel and think that kind of pile on top of each other. Yeah. And turn into anxiety and stress. Totally. Um. It's kind of like the snowball effect. Exactly. It just keeps on going. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what like having like a meditation practice for these last few years, um, where you just like, just practice like paying attention to what you feel regardless of if it's positive or negative or neutral, just like mm. that, like self audit of like, okay, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? And yeah. the more you do that, the better you get at like recognizing all these feelings as they arise. Yes. Um, and if I can turn architecture into a practice for people and like show people how to do that, yeah, uh, that would be like a dream come true. I love it. Yeah. Can we just work together forever and be friends forever? Let's do it. Great. <laughs> well, uh, seriously, this has been fantastic. And it's, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen with starting a podcast. And it's just, it's really rad to like hear your story and hear more about like who you are and just makes me like you even more. So good awesome. job. Well, <laughs> thank you for having me. I, uh, I look forward to, uh, to listening to the rest of your adventure.